O Passes to India Chapter 6 Part 1 Aziz had not gone to the bridge party. Immediately after his meeting with Mrs. Moore, he was diverted to other matters. Several surgical cases came in and kept him busy. He ceased to be either outcast or poet and became the medical student, very gay and full of details of operations which he poured into the shrinking ears of his friends. His profession fascinated him at times, but he required it to be exciting, and it was his hand, not his mind, that was scientific. The knife he loved and used skillfully, and he also liked pumping in the latest serums. But the boredom of regime and hygiene repelled him, and after inoculating a man for enteric he would go away and drink unfiltered water himself. What can you expect from the fellow? Said Major Calendar. No grit, no guts. But in his heart, he knew that if Aziz and not he had operated last year on Mrs. Graceford's appendix, the old lady would probably have lived and this did not dispose him any better towards his subordinate. There was a row of the morning after the mosque. They were always having rows. The major, who had been up half the night, wanted damn well to know why Aziz had not come promptly when summoned. Sir, excuse me, I did. I mounted my bike and it burst in front of the cow hospital, so I had to find a tonga. Burst in front of the cow hospital. Did it? And how did you come to be there? I beg your pardon. Oh Lord, oh Lord, when I live here, he kicked the gravel and you live there. Not ten minutes from me, and the cow hospital is right ever so far away the other side of you. There. Then how did you come to be passing the cow hospital on the way to me? Now do some work for a change. He strode away in a temper without waiting for the excuse, which as far as it went was a sound one. The cow hospital was in a straight line between Hamidullah's house and in his own, so Aziz had naturally passed it. He never realized that the educated Indians visited one another constantly and were weaving, however painfully, a new social fabric. Caste or something of the sort would prevent them. He only knew that no one ever told him the truth, although he had been in the country for twenty years. Aziz watched him go with amusement. When his spirits were up, he felt that the English are a comic institution, and he enjoyed being misunderstood by them. But it was an amusement of the emotions and nerves, which an accident or the passage of time might destroy. It was apart from the fundamental gaiety that he reached when he was with those whom he trusted, a dis 
obliging smile involving Mrs. Callender occurred to his fancy. I must tell that to Mahmood Ali. It will make him laugh, he thought. Then he got to work. He was competent and indispensable, and he knew it. The simile passed from his mind while he exercised his profession skill. During these pleasant and busy days, he heard vaguely that the collector was giving a party and that the Nawab Bahadur said everyone ought to go to it. His fellow assistant, Dr. Parnalal, was in ecstasies at the prospect and was urging that they should attend it together in his new tum-tum. The arrangement suited them both. Aziz was spared the indignity of a bicycle or the expense of hiring, while Dr. Panalar, who was timid and elderly, secured someone who could manage his horse. He could manage it himself, but only just, and he was afraid of the motors and of the unknown turn into the club grounds. Disaster may come, he said politely, but we shall at all events get there safe, even if we do not get back. And with more logic, it will, I think, create a good impression should two doctors arrive at the same time. But when the time came, Aziz was seized with a revulsion and determined not to go. For one thing, his spell of work, lately concluded, left him independent and healthy. For another, the day chanced to fall on the anniversary of his wife's death. She had died soon after he had fallen in love with her. He had not loved her at first. Touched by Western feeling, he disliked a union with a woman whom he had never seen. Moreover, when he did see her, she disappointed him, and he begat his first child in mere animality. The change began after its birth. He was won by her love for him, by a loyalty that implied something more than submission, and by her efforts to educate herself against that lifting of the purdah that would come in the next generation, if not in theirs. She was intelligent, yet had old-fashioned grace. Gradually, he lost the feeling that his relatives had chosen wrongly for him. Sensuous enjoyment, well, even if he had had it, it would have dulled in a year, and he had gained something instead, which seemed to increase the longer they lived together. She became the mother of a son, and in giving him a second son, she died. Then he realized what he had lost, and that no woman could ever take her place. A friend would come nearer to her than another woman. She had gone. There was no one like her, and what is the uniqueness but love? He amused himself. He forgot her at times, but at other times he felt that she had sent all the beauty and joy of the world into paradise, and he mediated suicide. Would he meet her beyond the tomb? Is there such a meeting place? Though orthodox, he did not know. God's unity was indubitable and indubitably announced, but on all other points he wavered 
like the average Christian. His belief in the life to come would pale to a hope, vanish, reappear, all in a single sentence or a dozen heartbeats, so that the corpuscles of his blood rather than he seemed to decide which opinion he should hold and for how long it was so with all his opinions. Nothing stayed, nothing passed that did not return. The circulation was ceaseless and kept him young, and he mourned his wife the more sincerely because he mourned her seldom. It would have been simpler to tell Dr. Lal that he had changed his mind about the party, but until the last minute he did not know that he had changed it. Indeed, he didn't change it. It changed itself. Unconquerable aversion welled. Mrs. Callender, Mrs. Leasley, no, he couldn't stand them in his sorrow. They would guess it, for he dowered the British matron with strange insight and would delight in torturing him. They would mock him to their husbands. When he should have been ready, he stood at the post office, writing a telegram to his children, and found on his return that Dr. Lal had called for him and gone on. Well, let him go, as befitted the coarseness of his nature. For his own part, he would commune with the dead.